Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to West Irwin. Um, we'll go ahead and get started here in just a minute uh, as you start making your way in. Um, first thing is always attendance cards. If you wouldn't mind, uh, let's use this time to go ahead and fill out attendance cards so that whenever they come around here in a little bit, uh, the young guys can pick them up. Um, second thing, ha- hey, happy 2023. This is my first time seeing you all in 2023, so hope it's been a fantastic year for you so far. Um, Good news is we got a lot of year left, and so uh, happy 2023. So prayer requests, uh, one that we've been asked is Billy Terrell is still in the hospital, so let's keep Billy in our prayers. Um, we're also excited to announce uh, two new members here at West Sterwin, um, uh, Wallace Campbell and Gene Stover. So Wallace, Gene, Jan- uh, welcome to the family. Uh, we're so excited that You've decided to join us and make West Irwin your family. Um, if you would, let's, let's make them feel super welcome. Um, schedule-wise, this evening, uh, we have uh, chapel and singing classes this evening, as usual, at 5 p.m. And then our youth group is going to have a game night in the lighthouse from 5 to 7 p.m., and supper is going to be provided. Um, speaking of our youth, next weekend, we're heading to Arlington. We're going to Winterfest for the weekend for, uh, it's a... A youth conference. Um, we went last year. It is a great, great time, but we've got a pretty good group going, and so uh, we ask that you please keep us in your prayers for uh, time on the road, not not a super far drive, but still prayers for that, and then uh, that we would just get so much out of it, and the relationships would grow. Uh, so last Monday night, last Monday night, during the Bills and Bengals game now. I don't know who all in here is a sports fan. Whether you're a sports fan or not, um, chances are you probably saw about this. There was this player for the Bills, uh, a defensive player, that he got hit, right? And it looked like just a pretty routine tackle. Um, Got hit in the chest, really nothing out of the ordinary, but he stands up and then stands there for a second and falls back. And you know whenever something like that happens, you think, oh, it must have been his head. Um, you see a lot of that with, like, concussions or stuff. Um, but then you see the replay, and his head didn't hit at all. And, and it's just weird. And you know that it's serious pretty early on. And then minutes and minutes pass by, and they're given CPR on the field and have to pull an ambulance out onto the field. Um, and it's crazy. It's scary. You don't see stuff like this happen. Um, but on the call was Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck. And, I mean, what do you say whenever you're put in a position like that? What do you say um, watching everything unfold, not knowing the details of what's going on? Um, And one of them at some point said, uh, at this point, nothing else matters. Game doesn't matter. Playoffs don't matter. Nothing else matters except for this man's life. I think that's pretty good for us thinking about coming to a Sunday morning, um, what, what's weighing on your heart right now? What, what, what are you feeling? What uh, fears, stresses, work, family, uh, just across the board, what is weighing on you? I want to challenge you. I, I give our youth group challenges all the time, and they probably are sick of me saying, here's another challenge, but I've got a challenge for you all this morning. Um, give it all to the Lord this morning through worship, communion, prayer, listening to God's word being preached. I want for you to turn everything over. Nothing else matters except for growing closer to God, growing closer to his people, and glorifying him. So if you would, um, we'll stand. I'll open us up with a prayer, and then we'll turn it over for worship.
Father God, um, you are good. You are mighty and awesome. And Lord, we want to give it all to you. As this new year starts up, uh, as so many things change, so many things stay the same, uh, whatever is going on, Lord, we turn it over to you. And for this morning, um, we, we give you our all. We give you our worship. We give you our praise. We give you our hearts and minds um, this morning and all throughout the week, all throughout our lives. Lord, we pray that you'd be glorified, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
Good morning. I want to take just a minute to uh, say thank you and uh, give a small example of how West Irwin blesses multitudes of people worldwide. And that is because that uh, there's a children's home in Mexico, Casa Hogar, that we became acquainted with about 20-something years ago when we were going down and supporting the church in Nueva Rosita. We uh, were there working with the church, and on a Sunday morning, there was a van that pulled up out there, and we, we saw 25 children get out of a 15-passenger van. And uh, that caused us to start asking some questions. And come to find out, Claudia Hernandez was the director of a children's home there in Nueva Rosita. I think she may have actually even started that home. But she was bringing those kids to church every Sunday in an old van, 15-passenger van. Well, several years later, that van wore out on her, was not able to be repaired. So West Irwin sent her one of our old vans. And she's used that for, that's probably been 15 or 10 or 15 years ago. Well, a couple of months ago, we found out that she needed a new van. And so uh, with the help of the West Bear County Church of Christ and the San Saba Church of Christ, which is where Farrell and Michelle Whitley go, many of you know them, and a family in San Antonio, West Irwin purchased a van for that children's home. And we're in the process of trying to get the paperwork all done to take it down there, something that Claudia needs to do. We're working with her. But when this project came up, I, I want to thank somebody else. When this project came up, uh, I talked to Morris Hallman about helping us with this, and he told me that this may not be an easy thing to do. Of course, me, you know, well, you know, I've heard folks say you don't ever know how deep the mud is till you get in it. And I didn't know how deep it was till we got in it. But I realized it when we were standing in a dealership in Richardson, Texas, me and my ignorant bliss, and Morris, I could see the wheels turning and smoke almost coming out of his ears because he could figure out that this deal might go sideways pretty quick, but I had no idea what was going on. But with his help, his determination, we were able to get this thing done. And I just wanted to tell you that, that, that you never know, this church will never know because of your generosity and your giving, you will never know how many lives that this church has blessed over the years uh, through all the work that's being done, just in small things like buying a bus, how many kids are going to be blessed by doing that. So thank you for your help. Let's pray. 
Holy God, we thank you for the ability to come here and worship you. And Father, we lay before you our problems and concerns and worries from living in this fallen world. It seems the world around us has changed so much the past few years. Activities that just a few years ago were condemned by communities are now celebrated as normal. We know these things are not new because Solomon told us that there is nothing new, but Satan is deceitful and has caused us to become timid and reluctant to change the evil that is challenge the evil that is being displayed around us. Give us wisdom and discernment, Father, to speak the truth from your word and love and humility. Strengthen our resolve to spread your word and to reflect your teachings in our own lives. Soften our hearts to help us to see the speck in our own eye before we try to remove the log from our brother's eye. Give us a spirit of boldness to look for opportunities to grow your church locally and in foreign countries. Help us to show our love toward each other as you have shown your love toward us. We thank you for Jesus, for his example of how we should live our lives and for his sacrifice for giving his own life because of our sinfulness. Father, we thank you for each family at this church. Help each of us to realize that we have all a part in growing this church. Help us to encourage each other and reflect the values expressed in your teachings. Father, we ask that you would be with the elders, the deacons, staff members, teachers, and members of our committees at West Irwin. Give us wisdom, discernment, passion, and a joyful spirit to make decisions concerning your church. Help us all to always look toward you and many examples of service you have provided for us as we strive to serve you here at West Irwin. Father, we know that you are the great physician, and we ask that you be with all the people on listed on our prayer and care list. Specifically today, we ask that you be with Billy Terrell, Karen Glass, Dot White's family, Ginger Pippin's family, Willa Wicks, Faye Mink, Jim and Nana Coulter, Carol Henry, Eli Hodges. We ask that you give each of these individuals specifically what is needed in each circumstance. As we continue this worship, Father, we hope that our singing will be a sweet aroma to you, that our mind will be cleared from the concerns of this world and will be filled with thoughts of you and the blessings you have provided for us. We ask that our spirit will be strengthened and encouraged and to live a life that is worthy of the sacrifices you have made for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
song we're about to sing speaks well of the very reason that we partake of communion this morning, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Man of didn't mic me up this morning. <laughs> we have such an opportunity in this time, an opportunity to reflect, an opportunity to give praise. It's an opportunity that we take every Sunday. It's something that is not light. It is something that is heavy. It's something that we need to put a lot of emphasis on. And so we do it. It's the first day of the week. When we do it this day, we need to look at it every day in our lives. Um, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight and 29 says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat or drink. Eat, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. We celebrate our Father who sent His Son to walk on this earth, to face what we face, to give us a road map, to hang on the cross, to be spat on, to be whipped, to be destroyed. His body destroyed, tortured for us, each and every one of us, everyone in this room, everyone on this earth that chooses to look him in the eye, to understand what he did for us. So we take this time. We take this time to celebrate the goods. We take this time to look inwardly and say, I failed. We take this time to, to appreciate who our Father is and what he does for us. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we, as we partake in the body, we partake in this bread, we are humble before you. We are blessed at who you are and what you are in our lives and the, who truly awesome you are. We take this time to to appreciate you, Father, to appreciate Christ and in, in his walk and the roadmap that 
that he set before us. And though we fail you often, you greet us with open arms through him. Father, as we, as we take this time, we, we know who you are. And we appreciate it so much. It's in your holy name we pray. As the spear pierced his side and blood, blood and water ran down, 
it is finished. All of us washed clean through him. So as we take this time, as we partake in this, in this cup, put yourself there. His experience. Lock eyes with him as he did for us. As he knew our name, as he knew what we would do and how we would do and all the despicable things we've done, he chooses us. He chooses to wash us clean. Pray with me. Father God, we are blessed. A father that loves us through it all. To send his son for us. An avenue of grace. An ending. Washing us clean. A true love. None other like it. Beyond comprehension for us. But his desire is to be with us. For us to love him. To exalt him. As he has put us. As he has wrapped us up. Father, thank you for who you are and what you are in our lives. It's in your holy name we pray. take this time to to give it's a time of focus it's a time of it's an opportunity for us ken talked about the the bus that we have an opportunity to send down to mexico and it'd be so impactful on that in that area on those kids lives there's a i'm going to paraphrase i'm not going to say the whole saying which is But it's not about our harvest. It's about the seeds we plant. We have an opportunity here to plant seeds around the world. We have an opportunity here to to hit Eastern Europe. We have an opportunity here to, to send and do and impact people around the world, people that we'll never know. But we can plant those seeds. We have an opportunity here to walk outside these doors and and plant seeds here. If it's money, if it's time, if it's your abilities, now's the time to focus on that and to give gladly 
abundantly. So take this time. Pray with me. Father God, you, you bless us. And we are like none other. We are blessed beyond measure, both financially and in ability. I can look out in this crowd and see so much ability, so many things, so much opportunity where we can plant seeds, we can impact lives, we can set the world on fire and bring complete glory to you. Father, man, set us up. Get us excited. As we have faith in you, help us in our abilities that we can bring glory to you, that we can have, that we can be proud in who we are through you, that we can be, that we won't be silent and that we'll be bold in our faith. Father, this congregation is excited in who you are and what you are. Let us, let us hit the world. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, let's all stand for the singing of this next song, and our young men will pick up our attendance cards. You may also leave for your blast class at this time. <clears throat> this world is not a
And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This world is not my home. I'm just a what? And that's the rub, right? If only the song said, this world is not my home, so Jesus is taking me away right now. (laughs) But that's not the song. Because that's not our life. And it's not our world. If this world was not our home and we were taken away, there would be no conflict. There would be no tension. Or, or, if this world were our home and we stayed here, we'd be fine. We'd be fine. But the tension is is that this world is not our home, but it's our home for a while. And so now what? (laughs) How do we do that? How do we live faithfully in a world that's not our home? We're beginning today a a series called Stand Up, Stand Strong. It's from a book by the same title, and it's focused on different issues and topics that we see especially prevalent in our culture today. We'll be setting some groundwork, but ultimately we'll be looking at things like the issue of abortion and pro-life, sexual morality, including same-sex marriage, gender confusion, the influence of the media, all kinds of different specific topics that we'll share over the next few months. But these first two or three lessons are going to be setting some foundation for everything that comes after. Next week we'll talk about world view. Today we're just acknowledging that this world is not our home, but it's our home for now. The author of the book says, all around me I see a world going crazy. And this is a, the author is a young woman who is in her early to mid-twenties. So she's part of that younger millennial Gen Z Zenial generation that has grown up in the last uh, 20 years or so. And that's all the world they've experienced firsthand. And yet in the book we are called back to the word of God as the standard for our lives and for our beliefs And for how we operate in a world that is not our home. I appreciate, Tucker, you mentioning the incident on Monday night and the impact that it's had. We talked about that in our Bible class this morning as well. It's just an incredible example of what Tucker spoke about. That when you get down to that life and death moment, you realize what really matters. What's really important And it's nothing this world has to offer. Those players and coaches and people all around the country dropped to their knees because there was nothing this world could do to help. There were wonderfully gifted first responders there on that field, as Tucker shared. And we appreciate so many of you for doing, putting yourself in that same place. And they saved his life. And he continues to hopefully improve, and that's, that's what we want. But it called our culture back to some things that you could say publicly for the first time 
that night in a while. You could pray publicly. You could announce your faith publicly. And it, it seemed to be okay. But how long will that last? All around me I see a world going crazy. How can I know what's actually true when truth seems subjective? And, and that's where we are in our world today. It's not just choose truth or choose something other than truth. It's first, is there truth at all? Is, is there anything that is the ultimate truth? Is there ultimate right and wrong? Is there ultimate good and evil? And I'm not sure that our culture today would acknowledge that overall. But I think more do than the media would let us believe. And we saw a great example of that this past week. All around me I see a world going crazy. Culture is the environment that is all around us. Talk terms for just a moment. We'll be talking a lot about culture and using that word a lot, but what exactly is it? Well, it's the world all around us. It's our environment that we live in. It's the ideals and mindsets, lifestyles, beliefs, and values that the people around us generally share. These are what form a society's practices and actions, expectations, and yes, even laws. The laws are formed because of these ideals and these mindsets and these beliefs in the environment that is all around us. Regarding the current environment, much of our culture today has landed in places and positions that contradict God's word. And yet this world is our home for a while, but not our permanent home. And that makes it difficult to be a faithful Christian in this environment, especially for our teenagers our young adults, and our young families. Our teachers, counselors, others that deal with these questions on an everyday basis. With many who are totally unfamiliar with the perspectives that we have all had. And for most of us, most all of our lives. And so the goal of this series is to help us be better prepared to live and speak the truth in love. To live and teach and share and speak the truth in love. And as our shepherd Ken Culpepper shared earlier, not just in love, but in humility. And that's hard. Because these are things that we feel so strongly about and have such strong convictions about as well we should. This is important. This is all important to us. And we're going to defend that and and that's the right thing to do. But let's all be reminded from the very start that we are called to speak and we're called to speak the truth. But we're called to speak the truth in love. That's straight out of Ephesians 4 verse 15. We are called to speak the truth in love, in humility, in kindness, in consideration, in respect. But let it still be the truth that we speak. 
But let it first be the truth that we live. Let us live the truth before we speak it. But let us do both. And we will do them both imperfectly because we're sinners. We get that. And that's why we do this humbly, respectfully, considerately. Jesus is not simply a justice or truth warrior. He's not just someone who is speaking the truth. He's not just someone who came to reveal God's truth, who came to get everybody in line. But nor is Jesus only a mercy grace warrior. He is not someone who came just to announce forgiveness. He's not someone who came just to say, you're okay. The issue with Jesus, and according to the Gospel of John from the very start in chapter 1, Jesus came full of grace and truth. He came to reveal grace and truth, both. And he lived both, and he calls us to do both. Jesus is grace and truth. And he calls us to live that way, and he calls us to share that way. This series will not focus on political parties and leaders and policies, all of which are flawed and imperfect. Just in case you missed that, let me repeat it. This series will not focus on political parties and leaders and policies, all of which are flawed and imperfect. That's not what this is about. As we talked in our Bible class this morning, I shared with them, yes, I am concerned about the direction of our country. Yes, I am concerned about the future for our kids. But I'll tell you what I'm more concerned about than that. I am more concerned about where the church is today. I am more concerned that we remind ourselves today that if we are living this and if we are speaking it in love in light of the world that God sends us into, then however the rest of that works out, we'll be okay. This series will, focus, uh, will not focus on political parties and leaders and policies, all of which are flawed and imperfect. This series, however, will take a close look at our culture and how that culture compares with the inspired Word of God and how we can faithfully live out our call as disciples of Jesus today. You see, this is our culture <laughs> This is our environment. This is where we live. And this is where God has sent us. As Jesus prayed in John 17, he, he prayed, Father, I've given them your word and the world has hated them just as it hated me. And that was in the first century. And believe me, when you look at church history and when you read the pages of the New Testament, you realize that their world hated them a whole lot more than our world hates us. But we can't deny that there is conflict there. And Jesus prayed in that prayer, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I am sending them into the world just as you sent me, Father. So wherever you are, whatever life you live, whatever your job is, whatever school you go to, whatever grade you're in, 
Whatever community you live in, that's where Jesus is sending you, that world. And he's sending you to be the light of that world. To live and speak the truth in love to that world, your world. The purpose of this series is to help us all be better prepared to do that faithfully. Our Bible classes, a few of them on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, are going to be discussing these lessons and these topics each week. Our 5 o'clock Reflections class that meets along with our singing class, the Reflections class will be sharing about these lessons each uh, Sunday evening that we meet and we're meeting tonight. And though all of this disturbs and confuses us and may even scare us, it should not surprise us. This is what our Savior said would be the case. It's the way it was for Him. It's the way it was for His disciples. But he also said that we can have the peace and assurance in knowing that through him we will overcome. And so I'm going to keep going back to this great verse. John chapter 16 verse 33. At the end of that chapter where he warns them about the life that's ahead for them. And the difficulties that it will bring. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so as we face our culture today, we face it with assurance and with confidence that Jesus has overcome. But that doesn't mean the difficulties are gone. It just means that we know we have the ultimate victory. But we have to remember how exactly did Jesus overcome the world? He overcame it by dying on the cross as a crucified criminal. We want to think that he overcame it by calling 12,000 legions of angels down to wipe everybody out and take them down from the cross. That's how the world would do it. That's how our culture would do it. But that's not how Jesus did it, and that's not how he's calling us to do it either. Winning looks different for Jesus than it does for our culture. It should look different for us too. As Chad shared, as we were around the table, Jesus came to face what we face. I love the way you put that, brother, wherever you are. There you are. Jesus came to face what we face. And he came to choose us, as Chad said, to choose to save us. Rather than to save himself. And that's how he overcame the world. And that's how we do as well. The truth of the gospel means that Christ's words do have authority to tell us how to live. We probably all came to uh, claim to believe that, right? Oh, I believe that the Bible tells us how we should live. Do we live that way? That's the question. Shallow convictions in believing in a watered-down gospel lead to shallow faith and a life governed by self and culture rather than God's Word. This is, we're in the deep. We're in the deep. And we can't afford to be shallow in our convictions. Solid principles and convictions give the ability to be disciples of Christ, obeying His command, follow me. 
And what does that look like every day? What does the gospel do in our lives today? How will people see that in us? Well, here are six things very briefly. First of all, the gospel changes our life and purpose. We have a different purpose. We no longer live according to the purpose that the world lives by. We have a different purpose. We measure success differently. Our purpose is to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us. Our purpose is to deny ourselves, not fulfill every, every desire. The opposite, deny ourselves. Take up the cross of Christ and follow Him. Our purpose is to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And that's the exact opposite of what the purpose of the world is. The purpose of the world is to get to a point where you don't have to make sacrifices. The gospel changes our life purpose. The gospel designates a source for morality. And this is going to be one of the most blatant areas of disagreement and, and difference that we're going to see with our culture today. The gospel designates a source for morality. It tells us that marriage is between a man and a woman. And it's a lifetime commitment. It tells us that husbands are to love their wives and wives are to respect their husbands. It actually tells us that they're to love and respect each other. It tells us that life is sacred, that we're created in the image of God and that all life is sacred. From conception to the grave. The gospel designates a source for morality. The gospel defines truth. In a, in a culture that says truth can't be defined. Truth is whatever and however you define it to be. Scripture 100% disagrees. 100%. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The gospel defines truth. The gospel reorders our priorities. It reorders our priorities. And so we send money to buy a van to this orphanage in some obscure town in Mexico. And we ask ourselves, what's in it for us when we do that? And here's what's in it for us. Nothing. The reason we're sending it is because of what's in it for them. And that's the right question. And yet God is praised and we are thankful and people are helped. The gospel reorders our priorities. How do I know, Bill, if my priorities have been reordered by the gospel or not? Well, I'll give you two examples. Number one, go online and check your checking account and click on debits. See what you see there. See, I used to be able to say, get out your checkbook and, and look at your checkbook register. Can't use that one anymore. <laughs> so get your bank statement out or go online and get in your checking account and take a look at the debits. Take a look at where your money has gone. Second thing is take a look at your calendar. Take a look at your calendar. You want to get a real objective look at your priorities. 
away from all the fluff and the nice things that we believe to look at the actual. Number five, the gospel realigns our authorities. It realigns our authorities. I love it when Jesus was uh, going back and forth with the Jewish leaders of his day and they thought they had him trapped because they said, hey, should we uh, give taxes or not? Because if he says no, then, then he's breaking the law. And if he says yes, then he's betrayed the Jews. And so Jesus says, give me a coin. As you know this story, right? And he says, whose inscription, whose face is that? Well, it's Caesar's. Then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. But don't give to Caesar what belongs to God. The gospel realigns our authorities. And this blew Governor Pilate away when he was uh, questioning Jesus and he thought he had him. Because Jesus alluded to his kingdom that's not of this world. And he says, you are a king then. And Jesus says, you're exactly right. I am a king. And that's exactly the reason why I came into this world. And everyone who listens to the truth listens to me as their king. He didn't tell anybody to rebel against the empire, to overthrow the government. He just told them, your authority is higher than that. And as the early disciples said in Acts 5, we must obey God rather than mankind. We can obey God and mankind almost all the time in our culture today, even today. And what a blessing that is. But when it comes down to it, our ultimate authority is the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Number six, the gospel infuses our hearts with hope. It infuses our hearts with hope. In a world that is so hopeless, so cynical so negative, so confused. Christians live lives of hope. And remember that uh, term, the the Stockdale Paradox, that that whole idea that biblical hope doesn't, doesn't deny the reality of the difficulty of the day. Biblical hope acknowledges that. It just acknowledges also that Jesus has overcome the world. And so culture is going to do as it will. Circumstances in our life are going to sometimes be good, sometimes not good. But we always live lives of hope. Why? Not because of our circumstances, not because of who's living in the White House, not because of any of those things, but we live lives of hope because of the gospel. And so we'll close with these three options. Number one, we can follow our own selfish desires and the values of our culture. Reinhold Niebuhr wrote a book um, 50 years or so ago, Christ and Culture. And it's still a very valuable book that discusses some of these things as well. Others have built on it, like Stanley Hauerwas and William Willimon. And others, we can follow our own selfish desires and the values of our culture. That is the Christ of culture. In other words, we give up Christ and we take culture. We embrace culture. This world is now my home. Forever. And I'm very comfortable in it. In all of its lack of truth, in all of its sinfulness, in all of its betrayal against the word of God... This world is my home. That is an option. 
I don't think very many people in this room or that are watching online are going to take that option. Number two, we can compromise with our culture following the Bible when it's not uncomfortable, when it doesn't cost us anything. And this is Christ and culture. And we may say that we reject this one, but do we? Do we? This is the hard one. This is the, this is the one that's the hardest. Because what we... What we say is, well, we realize that there are worldly values in our culture that I reject, and I'm going to hold to the Bible and hold to the Scripture, but then we like some things in the world, and we don't want to cause trouble, and we, we don't want people to not like us. And we don't want to have to pay a price in popularity, in job position, or in job at all. And so we'll follow Christ and we'll go by His values unless it costs us something. And when we have to pay a price for it, then what we'll do is we'll take this Bible and we'll rationalize it so that it's okay to live according to the values of our culture in this case. Even though they contradict the values of God. Will we be willing and ready to pay the price if we're called upon to pay it? Option number three is this. We can counter the culture and faithfully live and uphold the word of God. Christ, the transformer of culture. We don't have to accept it. We don't have to try to get on a different planet. (laughs) But what we can do is live as witnesses just as Jesus called us to do. What we can do is sacrifice ourselves, our lives. Be living sacrifices. In order that the world may see that just as we have been transformed by the living Word of God, we want them to be transformed by the living Word of God as well. How will they see that? They'll see that when we live lives of love. When we preach and live the truth in love. They'll see it in our peace. In a world that's gone crazy, yet they look at us and they see some calm assurance and peace. They'll see it in our hope, that we live lives of hope, that we live lives of love, that we live lives of peace, and that we live lives of joy. Yes, even joy. Joy that the circumstances and the values of this world and this culture cannot Take away. It is in the hope that we will all choose this third option that we begin this series. We acknowledge the difficulty of the times in which we live. We don't pretend it's not hard. But we also acknowledge the power of the Lord and of His Holy Spirit, the power of His Word, the Bible, and the power of His church and the encouragement we receive from each other. Someone in our Bible class said, Look around in this class and alluded to what will be here right now. And those joining us online, there's a lot of power here. Not power the way the world measures it. But the power of God. That's seen in people banding together to encourage each other to live faithfully as witnesses. To the one who gave everything for us. We acknowledge that in this world we will have trouble. But we also affirm that our Lord Jesus Christ has overcome the world. I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded 
that he is what? He is able. He is able to take what I have committed to him and to keep it safe and to use me for his will until that day comes. This morning, if we can help you do that, come as we stand, sing our song together. I am our closing uh, song and prayer, uh, our brother Perry comes today asking for me to lead a prayer for his friend Jennifer, uh, whose mother just passed away. And in our bulletin and in our hearts, we have several others that have lost loved ones as well. So let's honor that request. And hopefully in the days ahead, you will pray uh, for Perry's friend Jennifer, uh, who has lost her mother. Let's bow. Father, thank you for Perry and his warm heart. Thank you, Father, that he, you brought him to us and he's a part of us. And thank you, Father, that he has a tender heart for those around him. And so we pray for his friend Jennifer. Uh, many of us have lost loved ones. Many of us, some of us have lost loved ones recently. She has recently lost her mother. So we ask, Father, that you would, you would bless her, that you would comfort her and give her a sense of your presence. And beyond that, Father, that you would use us all to proclaim your presence in this world uh, today so that we can comfort those just as you have comforted us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand one final time. We'll sing one verse of this song and be dismissed in prayer. That Christ has overcome the world. Well, our victory is our faith that we place in that fact. In
Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we come to you at this time, Lord, at the close of this service. Lord, thanking you for your wonderful son, Jesus Christ, first of all. Lord, we can never, ever be able to repay that debt, Lord. Lord, but we can thank you, Lord, and we can praise you. Lord, we can strive to be more like you every day. Lord, I ask that as we leave here today, Lord, you could be with those that could not be here today for whatever reason that may be. Lord, we ask that we can take what we learned today and apply it to our lives. Lord, there is so much going on in this world at this time. Lord, we ask that you just be with us, Lord. Give us comfort, Lord. Give us strength to go out in this world and to bring people closer to you. Lord, as we leave here today, I ask that you take us safely home and bring us safely back at the next appointed time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.